Amen. I am grateful that through it all, through everything, Jesus is there. Amen. We are uh, in this sermon series where I've invited everyone uh, to this table. Uh, we've talked about how important it is that everyone gets a seat right here at the table, uh, that everybody uh, gets a chance uh, to share in the, in the bread and in the cup. And then we talked about uh, Charlie, his favorite part of dinner, right, Charlie? Dessert. We got to talk about that as well. Today, we're going to talk about the Tao. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the Tao. Today, we're going to read from John 13, uh, where Jesus uh, uses this Tao at a dinner feast, at the Passover feast. And we read in John chapter 13 and verse 1 that it was just before the Passover feast and that Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, it was the evening meal. It was being prepared. The devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter responded, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter replied, then Lord, will you not only wash my feet, but my hands and my head as well? And Jesus answered, a person who is a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone is clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put, his clothes, put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am now. That I, the Lord, have washed your feet. You should wash one another's feet. Let's pray. Father God, we are incredibly, incredibly grateful uh, for this story. Grateful that, Lord, uh, you uh, came in the flesh and that you wrapped that towel around you and, and washed the disciples' feet as an example for each one of us. And as we uh, study this morning, our prayer is that you will just guide and lead us to understand you uh, even more. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a weird addition to the table. I mean, let's just uh, be honest with one another. Everything seems to fit well 
the cup, the bread, uh, the silverware, the plate, the chairs, everything fits in our idea of a dinner party. The towel, not so much. We don't have the towel at our dinner table. We don't do any kind of feet washing when we sit down to have a meal. Thanksgiving, there's no feet washing involved. So why involve a towel in our conversation today? I think the towel is a metaphor for something much bigger. I think the towel has to do with attitude. Many of Jesus' conversations around meals talks about attitude. I mean, think about a few of these. When Jesus fed the multitudes, uh, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, they're hungry, what are we going to do? Right? And the disciples had a doubting attitude. When Jesus uh, was anointed in Bethany, it was Judas and, and maybe a few other disciples who scoffed at, G, at, at this woman. Said ah, that money could have gone to the poor. That had to do with attitude around the table, around eating. When, uh, when, when Jesus ate with his disciples on the eve of the crucifixion, we, re, we see attitude. James and John had already had a conversation about who was going to be the greatest. Judas had already decided he was going to betray Jesus. Peter was like, ah, you can't go and wash my feet. Trying to tell Jesus what to do. And later he would go and say, Jesus, uh, I would never, ever leave you. I would never, ever deny you. And it's with this mindset of attitude that we need to approach this story. Because that's what Jesus is introducing with the towel. The attitude starts with how we view ourselves. You see, Jesus could have basked in the limelight. Look again at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that he came from the Father. He could have basked in that limelight. There was a song circulating among the churches. And we believe that's what Paul was quoting in Philippians chapter 2 when he said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used by his advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the cross. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's all about attitude. How Jesus saw himself. I read a testimony this week 
of a recent college graduate who took a job at Starbucks. She writes, I did a stint at Starbucks and inside the, it was inside the Target. And I just graduated college and they offered me the job of managing this Starbucks inside of a Target. She said, you wouldn't think it, but it was pretty, pretty good money. Now, we had made this woman's uh, iced tea wrong. I, I don't remember why. It, it was a really silly mistake, and those things happen. You know, it's sweet tea, so it could have taken just about 30 seconds to remake it. But she threw it over the counter at me. And then she turned to her daughter and said, See, this is why we finish high school. As we approach the table, isn't it about attitude? Jesus, considering himself, realizing the power, realizing who he was. And so I want to encourage you to look at yourself, to view yourself before we gather around the table this morning. But it's not just how we view ourselves, it's, it's how we view other people as well. It was Muhammad Ali who was attributed this, these two quotes. Number one, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. I like that. But this is my favorite. I don't trust anyone who's nice to me but rude to the waiter. Because they would treat me the same way if I was in that position. How do you treat other people? And how did Jesus treat his disciples? He bowed down and washed their feet. Here's another testimony from a young server waiting tables in Texas after church on Sunday morning. One day during my shift, I had a table of about nine or ten people we were in a small town in Texas, so our busiest time was right after church. They stayed for about an hour, and everything was great up until the time, uh, the, the whole entire time they were, they were there, up until the time they left. They all paid, and pretty much everyone was gone except this one lady. She then uh, began to stay behind and pick up all the tips that were left, and she paid for her meal with the tips that other people left. This is difficult. This is difficult. We have to compare this lady maybe with how Paul instructs us in Ephesians 5.21 that our submission to one another, our submission to one another should reflect reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence here is the idea of fear and more idea of respect. The same Greek word is used later in the same chapter when, when Paul talks about how wives should respect and love their husbands. There's a little bit of reverence in how we treat everyone. There should be a little bit of respect there and how we treat 
everyone because how we treat others reflects our heart for Jesus. If we revere Christ, we will revere, we will respect others. So yeah, we've discussed how Jesus viewed himself and how he served his disciples. But all of this has to do with the relationship with the Father. All of it has to do with how he sees God. I mean, think about it. If you doubt God's justice, would you not be more likely to seek revenge? If you doubt God's sovereignty, would you not be more likely to try to get it done on your own? Would you not act before you prayed? And if you doubted God's love, you're either going to be living a life of shame or fail to love others completely. And that's why John says in 1 John 4.20 that whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister, that doesn't make sense. You're a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. I want to share with you a lesson that I'm teaching Eli currently. On Sundays, we sit together as a family, and we usually discuss the Sunday morning service over lunch. We always start with Sunday school. When Eli was in Miss Debbie's class, he'd always come home and tell us the stories that he learned, the Bible stories. Charlie did the same thing, and he still does in Mr. Dirk's class. But I told Eli that you're in middle school now, boy. You're older. I need you to do a little bit more than regurgitate some Bible lessons. I don't need to hear those stories that you learned when you were in Miss Debbie's class. You've told me those when you were six and seven years old. I want you to tell me how your life looks different because you learned that story. And I'm teaching him something that's very important for us as adults to understand. I mean, when I get up and preach on Sunday mornings, it's fun if you come to me afterwards and tell me one of the stories that connected with you oh yeah i was in i was in a store uh, in a in a restaurant once and i saw someone treat a waitress or a waiter like that or oh that funny story you told me about your kids that that reminded me of when i was parenting or my grandkids those are great conversations to have but what i truly want is for you to see god differently How did God change you? How did this story, specifically this story, change how you treat others and how you view God? Because the knowledge of God, the more we know about who he is, should change you. It should change you. The Pharisees, it changed them in a negative way. They knew everything about God. The Pharisees could quote you scripture like this, but it did not change how they treated other 
people. That's why Jesus had to speak out against such things. He called them whitewashed tombs. He said that the, the way they treated others was putting heavy burdens on them. Their knowledge of God did not change how they treated other people. And listen, folks, at God's table, you're not invited unless you can treat other people with love. Isn't that what John says? If you claim to love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. You don't really love God, and you certainly aren't welcome at the table. Before you come to the table, put that towel around you. Because that towel represents the attitude of who you are, who God is, and how you treat other people. This morning we're singing the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, is our communion song. And, and while we sing that song, that's the time for you to gather the, the cup and, and gather the bread. It's at three different spots here. You can gather that. You can go back to your seat, and it can be a time where you can reflect and meditate about how we approach the table. Now listen to the words. When I survey, when I view, when I survey that wondrous cross, that cross of which the prince of glory died, my richest gain, I count but loss, and I pour contempt on what? All my pride. Do you hear that? Do you hear how we approach the table? Do you hear pouring contempt? That, that means to be disgusted or have disdain for my pride. And there's only re one reaction when you have that kind of disgust. Where the whole realm of nature mine, my gift still be so too small. That love is so amazing, it's so divine that it what? Demands my soul, my life, my all. The only reaction when you have poured out this disdain, when you've poured out this contempt on on the pride as you approach the table, is to offer your life to God. And when you offer your life to God, it transforms you. It doesn't make you more knowledgeable. It doesn't make you a better speaker. It transforms you to love. Through that knowledge and through that abilities, the gifts that God has given us, we've learned to serve others and to love others. So as we sing that song, I'm going to have you go around and think about how you approach the table this morning and how we as a church approach the table. Let's pray. Father God, I consider the attitudes that uh, pass overnight. 
attitudes of greatness, attitudes of betrayal, attitudes of self-confidence. And I look at my life, and I hope we all do, and realize that we struggle there too. And as we approach this table in humility, I ask that you will transform us to be people of love that reflects who you are, especially in your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his great and powerful and good name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.